All right, if you will, let's all stand, page 103. Good to see everybody out. Page 
56.
Announcements go. Y'all had adult choir practice this morning, so don't forget that. And this coming Sunday, Sunday now is Mother's Day, and on this Mother's Day coming, we will not be having Sunday night service. So all of you remember that.
Miss Ellie, you can't get Will to help you sing? We'll get Will up here one day. Amen. Amen. There was a man in his elder years, and he'd, of course, been a man all his life, you know. He'd always shaved himself. And so he decided he was going to start going to the barber shop and let them do the shaving for him. So he went one early one morning, he went to his friend's barber shop, and his, his wife did all the shaving for him. And so he got in the chair and leaned back, and the, the wife of the barber took out a razor and started shaving him. Her name was Grace. And uh, when he got done, the lady charged him $25 for a shave. That was all she did was shave him 25 bucks. And he thought, well, this is ridiculous. You know, 25, I'm not going to be able to come here every day and get shaved by this, this lady. So he didn't say nothing. He walked on out and he just made up his mind. I'll just keep shaving myself. Well, the next morning he got up and he felt he was still just as smooth. Didn't need a shave all day long. This went on for a week. Two weeks went by and he was still just as slick as he could be. And he went back to the barbershop to apologize to the lady. And he said, ma'am, said, I, I want to apologize to you. I really thought that $25 that you charged was too, way too much for a shave. But he said, it's been two weeks now and I'm still just as fresh as she said. Well, sure, you were shaved by grace. Once shaved, always shaved. <laughs> oh, amen. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 1 tonight. Nehemiah chapter 1. Jeff didn't tell me that one. That was way too spiritual. Amen. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 1. It's good to be able to laugh and enjoy the goodness of the Lord in your life. And, and uh, I want to tell you all this story. I want to tell old Sister Carolyn. Ever since I've, uh, you know, I'll make mention of that old saying that we've been raised on all our life. You know, that women's work is from sun to sun and the man's work is never done. And, uh, and I've got it right. I mean, that is a true saying. Can I get a witness from any man in here? A woman's work is from sun to sun, but a man's work is never done. Well, Sister Carolyn has always gotten on to me about that. She said, Brother John, you got that completely backwards. And so the other day she was talking to Debbie and we, she told me, she, no, I called her. She had a Bible question and I called to try to answer that Bible question. She said, Brother John, I got you. I got you. She said, you've been wrong. I said, really? She said, yep. You said that woman's work, son, son, man's work never done. She said, I was reading the other day in the Bible and it said two men were in the bed and two women out in the field working. She said, see there, men are lazy. <laughs> Amen. I love it. I love it. It still don't change that old saying that I was raised on all my life. Uh, 
Nehemiah chapter 1 tonight. You can keep your, you can be seated as we read the scriptures. I felt impressed of the Lord to begin tonight for a little while on Sunday nights and, and, uh, and talk about something that you may not hear a lot about in churches, and, but it is an essential part of church life. And uh, I'm going to talk tonight about leadership and uh, what it means to be a leader for God. And we're going to look at the, the life of this leader and the birth of that leadership in his life out of Nehemiah chapter 1. And I pray that uh, I know on Sunday nights we have our core group of, of people of the church that are usually come back on Sunday nights and and a lot of you serve in leadership positions within the body of Christ. And, and I want to say this up front. Thank God for every one of you who do help in the ministry. Uh, you have a special reward of the Lord for all your labors and all that you do on the behalf of Jesus Christ. And his cause and namesake. And, and, uh, and because of the, the amount of people that are here tonight and the amount of people it takes to make this ministry work. Um, I thought, I would, like I said, I was just impressed of the Lord to, to speak about leadership and, and deal with some things, biblical principles about leadership and what it means to be a leader for the Lord Jesus Christ. When I first got saved, I didn't understand nothing like this. And and then God called me to preach, and I thought, well, man, this is great. You just preach and let a rip tater chip and let them chips fall where they want to. And, and then God began dealing with my heart about being a pastor. And I'll be honest with you, my first few years of ministry as a pastor of a church, I never even considered the thought of leadership. I didn't know what it meant to, to pastor and be a leader of God's people but there is a very important principle that we all need to learn about leadership. Leadership is so very important within the body of Christ. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to look at one of those. And it looks like I'm going to have to be kind of still tonight or I want to upset this, this microphone. But I want you to look in Nehemiah chapter 1. And we're going to look at some scripture tonight to... to uh, to bear all of this out. And like I say, I pray that it'll be a help to all of you and, and to our church. I hope that it'll have some meaning to our church and, and uh, sitting in this room or future leaders. If the Lord tarries, there's future leaders of, of the cause of Christ and within the body of Christ. And there's leaders here tonight that are way better leaders than myself. And, uh, and practice it and, and, and portray that uh, here as leaders of this church. And I do appreciate every one of you. The, the Word of God reads like this. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the Chislu in the 20th years, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. 
The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and I will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name, and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. I'm going to take this portion of scripture about this great leader out of the word of God and, and bring some thoughts from this, and I'm going to couple it with some other scriptures that, that bear all of this out tonight and just show you the, the importance of a leader within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll see what God will do for us tonight. Heavenly Father, tonight as we come before you, Lord, we're blessed, Lord, to be able to have the book of God open before us tonight. Lord, around this world, Lord, there's people who wish they had a copy of the word of God. They, they would that they could openly read it and and openly proclaim it, Lord, but around this world, Lord, we know that's just not possible. And Lord, but here we sit tonight, a blessed people, a free people up to this point. And here we are tonight, Lord, with the book of God open. So Lord, I'm asking as we open this book, that Lord God, you'd please do a work in every one of our hearts. And please, Lord, just minister to us by the word of God. And we're thankful for everything that you'll do. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Nehemiah, like I said, is one of those people in the Word of God. You can study the book of Nehemiah from different aspects, and there's a lot of good preaching from, from Nehemiah chapter 1 all the way to the end of this book. But I want to approach this portion of the book of Nehemiah from this standpoint on principles of biblical leadership, and the first principle that I want us to consider is simply lifting our hearts and eyes to God. And how that is so important in the life of anyone who desires or who is in a position already as a leader. 
And God puts a lot of emphasis on leadership in the Word of God. As I said, I did not understand all of that when I first began pastoring and, and several years into it. I did not understand the principles of leadership and, and began, and, and I don't remember exactly how it came to me, but uh, uh, something happened in my life and I, I became aware of this thought that leadership was very, very important. I knew about the leadership in a home. And by the way, leadership of a home is just as important as leadership within a body of Christ. I mean, sitting here tonight are leaders. If you're a man, you're the leader of your home. God has placed you there. You're the one that God will look at in the day of judgment and, and, and judge you according to your leadership within your own home. Matter of fact, whenever Paul was given qualification as a pastor, he said, if a man don't know how to lead his own house, how's he ever going to take care of the church of God? And so it all begins within the, within the structure of the home. And God puts a lot of emphasis on the leadership of a home and a church. And, I, and I would, as I began studying these kind of things and, and considering them, I realized that there's leadership in every facet of life. If you, if you work for somebody or if you're an employer, you know that there's leadership needed within a business, within a company, within workplace settings. Uh, and we could go on within our government. There's, and boy, do we need leadership in our government, can I get a witness right there? And, uh, and when you study from the Word of God, when you study the thought of leadership, you find out that there's all kinds of leadership. There's bad leadership. And we've, we've witnessed that badly. The book of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 29 and 30 says it like this. says, a violent man enticeth his neighbor, listen to this, and leadeth him into a way that is not good. You say, can you give me an example of that? I absolutely can. Adolf Hitler. He led and he was a great leader, but he led for a bad cause. And he did it in a bad way. Six million Jews lost their lives because of this one man. And get this, all he ever did was talk to other people. He never fired a shot. He never, he never uh, uh, fought in the army. Never, he was never within the ranks of the Nazi, uh, the, the Nazi army. But he just spoke and led people in a bad way. Then not only is there bad leadership, there's blind leadership. Jesus Christ himself, he said himself, leave them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind. Say, so can you give me an example of that? Absolutely. Washington, D.C. Can I get a witness right there? Washington, D.C., they're blindly leading each other up there, and they don't know what they're doing. I mean, some of the, some of the most brilliant minds they claim are up there in Washington leading us. And I just don't see anything brilliant about our government paying off the indebtedness of some college kids. I don't think that hardworking American people without a college education should be forced to pay for those who did go to college and, and 
and, and ran up a, a large bill in student debt? I just don't think so. But, I mean, that's our leadership today. There's, there's blind leadership. There's bewildered leadership. Leadership that does not understand what they're doing. The Bible says, again, in Isaiah 3.12, As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Oh, my people, they which leave thee cause thee to err. And we see a lot of that within the body of Christ today. Women pastors, women up there behind the pulpit leading a congregation of people. And the Word of God says that that should not be. You say, Brother John, where's your scriptures for that? I just don't understand how a woman pastor could be the husband of one wife. I've never figured that one out yet to, to this day. And so they shouldn't have women in leadership positions over a body of men, especially because a woman's not supposed to usurp authority over a man. I wish I could get some witnesses in this room about that, but that's just Bible for you tonight. And we see it, we see it portrayed before us on every hand today. But then I want to say this, there is such a thing as biblical leadership. And we see that brought out in the life of Nehemiah, especially in this chapter 1. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of debate today about leadership. There's, they say there's some that say, well, leaders are just naturally born. Then there's others that say, no, leaders aren't born. There's things that happen within their lives that cause them to become leaders. Whether, whether they be born or something happened uh, midstream of their lives that causes them to be, become leaders is no, that, that doesn't matter. The fact remains that we need biblical leaders within the body of Christ. We need men that will become men and lead for the cause of Christ and for the good of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need, we need ladies that will lead also. Ladies leading other ladies. Being an example to our younger generation of what it means to be a woman for God. Can I get a witness right there? We need some biblical leadership in our churches today. I want us to consider this man tonight by the name of Nehemiah. And just I'll just want to point out some things to you about his life. And I pray that God will use it in all of our lives. Maybe you're sitting here and maybe you're not a leader within the, within the church or, or local assembly in any way, but maybe this will help you better understand what it means for some, some person to be a leader. And maybe you could appreciate good leadership, good biblical leadership uh, from studying this with us tonight. I want us to talk about this birth of a leader tonight by the name of Nehemiah. And by the way, he was the shortest man in the Bible. He's Nehemiah. Nehi, Nehemiah. They was, he was shorter than Brother Barry. Can I get a witness right there? Well, I want to talk about the birth of a leader tonight. I want to say he was just a man. There was no special qualifications about this man's life. He was just a, any given man. He was of God's people. He was, a, he was a, if you will, a saved man. And he had a brother of his that came by and visited him one day, and he had some other Jews with him. 
They came by and they began talking to him. And, and Nehemiah had something burning down on the inside of him. He said, I want to know something. What about those that got led captive? Those that remained, those that were, that those that escaped the sword, escaped the, the death of the original ones whenever Nebuchadnezzar marched into Babylon and began killing people. He said, what about those that escaped? Are they okay? And they began telling him of the adverse conditions. They began telling them of all the destruction that was in front of God's people. This so moved the heart of Nehemiah. We read one, only one of his 12 prayers that are recorded in the book of Nehemiah. I mean, you talk about a man that would pray. He would, he would pray on the spot. I mean, some, a man would ask him a question and the very next thing we read about is him praying to God, getting the answer and giving the man that asked him the question the answer. I mean, he was a praying man. I've got a Schofield Bible, the old Schofield Bible, and he mentions that 11 times in the text is recorded that Nehemiah prayed. No, it was 12. I went through every chapter of the book of Nehemiah and, and noted every time that this man, this man was a praying man. And can I say it like this? That if we're going to be leaders of in, within the body of Christ, we've got to learn to lift our hearts and our eyes to the Lord in prayer. We've also got to be praying people. If you lead a choir, if you lead a Sunday school class, if you lead anything within the body of Christ, if you're associated in any kind of leadership position, Within the body of Christ. You've got to learn to be a person of prayer. And lift your heart. And your and I'm going to say it over and over again tonight. You've got to learn to lift your heart. And your eyes to God. That's exactly what Nehemiah did. I want you to notice some things in particular about this man. He was a man of prominence. He was the king's cupbearer. He was a man if you will that had it made. He lived in a, in a palace. He lived up under the authority of the king. He was the king's right-hand man. What a king's cupbearer was, was the person that would taste the food or the drink of the king before the king actually drank it. And he would make sure that the, the food or the, the drink was not contaminated or poisoned. And he actually stood between the king and death. He was in a very prominent position. He had a very elevated position within the realm of this king. And yet that position did not deter him from getting a burden for God's people. That position that he held did not come in between him and what God wanted him to do. He had a very prominent position. He was a, a man of great position. I mean, he, he was the man... That the king looked to for everything. I mean that king relied upon this man. This king would rely upon him. And you know what I understand about that? I understand this truth that God always trains his man to work in his kingdom. This man was a king's cupbearer. He was a very prominent man. He had a, he had a position that other people envied. That other people would have longed to have, to have had in, in, to be employed in. 
But yet this man was in that position and he did not let that position go to his head. He just did his job, but he learned from it of how to work within the kingdom of God. But then I want to say this, the, the birth of this, this leader, Nehemiah, he heard the trouble of somebody else. Here he was living in a palace. Here he was, had it made. Here he was, there was, no, there was no problems in his life, but he hadn't heard about the problems of somebody else, and it moved his heart. And that, that's what it means to be a, a leader within the body of Christ. It means that we may have it going good in our lives. We may have everything, all the I's dotted, the T's crossed. We may have our lives may be just as fine and nothing going on. We may be fine financially. We may be fine. Uh, our family may be doing good. But whenever somebody, we hear of somebody else having a burden... A true leader will feel that need. And Nehemiah did. Nehemiah heard about these Jewish, this remnant of Jewish believers that were having it hard. You study your Bibles, you're going to find out that the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, they go hand in hand with each other. Ezra was a great leader also. He was raised up by God to go back in and rebuild the, the temple and restore uh, worship within Jerusalem. But Nehemiah heard that the walls were still tore down. He heard that the walls were burnt. They had no protection. They had, they had nothing to guard them. They needed somebody to raise up. They needed God to raise somebody up and go in there and lead them. There was a, there was a need at hand. I mean, the enemy was could go in wide open and, and still uh, do damage within Jerusalem. And God needed a man. These people needed one man that would stand up and go into Jerusalem and gather them together and, and group them together and lead them for the cause that was before them. I want to say this tonight. Uh, people, people and their problems got his attention. People. The, the church is a people business. There's people all around us that's got burdens. There's people all around us that's got problems and they've got burdens, they've got things. There's people out there by the multitudes who are lost. We've got men in here that go to the jails and prisons. We've got men in here that's heard about, uh, heard about the, the needs of somebody else out on the outskirts of the confines of the church. You know, we get so churchy at times that all we think about church is just within the confines of these walls. Listen, there's a world out there that's needing leaders of God's people to go out there and do something on their behalf. Listen, we've got to understand that God's business is people business. I mean, we need leaders to stand up and, and feel the need of somebody else, feel the burden of somebody else, and, and do something on their behalf. Uh, there's still room for us all to do something outside, like I say, outside the confines of this church. Thank God for all of us who labor within the church, but outside the church. There's needs out there that people have that the church needs 
to meet. People got his attention. The pains of somebody else got this man's attention. He was burdened about those Jews who were back in Jerusalem. They'd, they'd had their temple restored, rebuilt. They were worshiping within the temple. But the, the walls were torn down and wide open. The enemy could still come in and do damage within the confines of Jerusalem. And God needed one man to get a burden and go back into Jerusalem and stand up on the behalf of God's people and lead them in the ways of the Lord. I want you to look with me in the book of Numbers, chapter number 27. Numbers 27. I want you to watch this with me. Numbers chapter 27. Look at this with me, this text in, in Numbers chapter 27, verse 15. It says it like this, And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, which may go in before them, and which may, look at this, lead them out. And which may bring them in that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. We need more people that get a burden within the body of Christ to lead among the assembly. To do things within the assembly. There's still things that need to be done within, within even our local assembly. We have needs within this church that, that somebody in here could help meet. If we would have some more leaders to raise up. He was a man that. He was a man that. People touched his heart. And people's problems. Touched his heart. He had no problems of his own. There was nothing going on in his life. That, that caused that moved him to. To pray like he did. Except the burden of other people. The pains and the problems of other people. All I'm trying to say tonight, brethren, is we need, to, we need to ask God to open up our eyes. We need to ask God to open up our heart to see the real needs of people all around us. There's ministries that could be birthed. There's ministries that could be born and, and, and affected within the local assembly, outside of the church. There's things that could be done of grand scale things that could be done that would bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ and that could meet the needs of people who have got problems. We need, we need leaders within the body of Christ again. We need leaders that will stand up and say, God, please use me. Use me. I never dreamed that God would want to use somebody like me. I didn't understand all there was about leadership and still don't know what I should know about it. But I know that leadership is very important. But I realize this, that God wants to use people. I remember when I first got saved and God began calling me to preach. I would get along with the Lord and I believed he wanted me to preach. And I believe he wanted me to use my life. And But I was... 
I knew me. I knew me very well. And I thought, well, God, you can't use somebody like me. There's no way you could use me in any position within a church or anything like that. And uh, I began praying and asking God to please help me. And one day while I was in prayer, I, I was thinking about men like J.E. Glass and Brother Willard Thomas and men that God used in great and mighty ways, even in, even in this area. And, uh, and I was still living down in South Georgia, and I would pray and I'd say, God, I, I want you to use my life like you've used those men. God, I want to be used of you. But I said, Lord, you can't use somebody like me. I'm too wicked. I'm too, I, my past is too tainted. One day while I was in prayer, I was praying along those lines. And God said, if I use anybody, I use a sinner that's been saved by grace. I said, God, that's me. That's me, Lord. I, I guess you can use me. You see, God, God's not looking at your qualifications. He's looking at your will. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at what you've got inside of you that is on the behalf of other people. And the, the thing about leadership within the body of Christ, it is a place of being a servant. It's not being a boss. It's not being the big, the big act among those. It's being a servant to those that are under you. Jesus Christ said it like this. He said, you've heard it among the, the Gentiles that they exercise dominion over those that they rule over. He said, but it will not be so among you. He said, whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. He said, and those that will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came to serve and give his life a ransom for many. God's looking for somebody willing to serve. Not be served, but to serve others. And make sure that, that their needs are met. Make sure that whatever it is, whether it's them being lost, being a witness to them. If it's just a matter of, of a ministry out there that we could meet the needs of, we need to go to them. And, and God's needing a leader to be able to lead the people for the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember Brother Tommy Tillman. Brother Tommy Tillman, most, most of you in here met Brother Tommy. He was one of the greatest missionaries that I knew. He's already gone on to heaven now. He was a, he was a missionary to leper people. I mean, of all people that you'd ever hear of anybody going and ministering to, he wanted to be a missionary to leper people. He went over to Thailand. Didn't know anything about leper people or anything, but as, as God worked it out, he went into Thailand and he was told that he was going to be preaching to leper people. And he went before those people and he said he's never seen such in all his life. He said he saw people without any arms, without any legs, where the leprosy had completely eaten it off. He said he saw those lepers with the nubs of their arms dragged themselves across the ground just to get to church and would drag themselves for miles just to get to church. And he said while he was there that first trip, he said God gave him a burden for those leper people. 
And I asked Brother Tommy one time, I said, Brother Tommy, I said, what if you get leprosy? He said, Brother John, he said, if that's the way God wants to take me out of this world, that's his business. And I asked him, I would ask him all kind of questions, and he always had the attitude, I'm in this for them. And I remember Brother Tommy would show his slides. I'll never forget the first time I ever saw his slides. It was in a motel room. Me and Debbie went by to see him and, and to make sure he was taken care of there in his motel room and went by that motel room. And he asked us, he said, y'all want to see my slides? I said, I sure do, Brother Tommy. And there on the wall, he pulled the, he pulled the drape to one side to where he could shoot the, the slides up there on the wall. He would shoot those slides. And, and in those slides, there would be these old dirty, filthy, nasty lepers. And in every one of them, Brother Tommy would have his arm around him with the biggest smile on his face. And I'll never forget what Brother Tommy would say. He said, that's my people. That's my people. That's who God gave me to minister to. Nobody else wanted it. Nobody else would go near him. But God found a man who heard of a need for somebody else. Heard of a pain of somebody else. A problem that somebody else had. And said, Lord, I'll go. I'll be the one that you can use. I was in a church. <clears throat> this is before I started pastoring. I got me saved at Morton Avenue in about a year, two years after that. God led us into another church, went to another church. Was a, I was the preacher's backup preacher. I would preach when he was out of the pulpit for him. And I was teacher of his adult Sunday school class. And we had a missionary come through one time. And that missionary, he was, a, he was about this big around. Just a little skinny thing. And he was young. He was, he was just, a, you wouldn't think, you'd walk right past of him, you know, wouldn't think much of him. But Brother Malcolm, my pastor, let him get up and present his, his work to us that night. And he got up and he was preaching out of Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And said he heard a voice speaking and says, who's going to go for us? Who's going to go tell the people? And that missionary said that he was, he was in a mission meeting or a church meeting and a preacher was preaching out of that text. And he said he heard that preacher said, the Lord said, who's going to go for us? Who? will go for us. And I'll never forget that night, that little old missionary raised his hand, little skinny hand, little, he was a little frail looking fella. And he raised his hand and he said, I raised my hand to the Lord. And he said, Lord, you can use me. You see, God can use anybody that's willing. God wants to use people's lives for the benefits of somebody else. And, and God chose that missionary to go to some foreign field to be used. I remember my pastor said, he said, did you see him raise his hand? I said, I sure did. He said, did you see how little his hand was? I said, yeah. He said, but in God's eyes, that was the biggest hand there was. Listen, somebody that will serve other people for their benefit, for their needs, 
is a big person in God's eyes. And that's what God is looking for. We better learn to lift our hearts and our eyes to the Lord. You say, Brother John, why, why do you say we need to learn to lift our eyes and hearts? Because things will get in the way. Things will distract you from really what's going on, the real need. And if you don't keep your eyes on Jesus Christ and keep your heart lifted to Him, you'll miss the true cause and get sidetracked in biblical leadership. Biblical leadership. Learn to lift your hearts and your eyes to God. There may be somebody here tonight. Maybe you really want God to use your life. Maybe, maybe you've heard God speaking and you really don't know what to do. You just keep lifting your hand. You keep lifting your eyes and your heart to God. Say, Lord, use me. I promise you this. One day, that door is going to swing wide open. And God is going to use you in ways you never dreamed possible. I never dreamed that I'd be in Merville, Georgia. And here I am, pastoring some of the greatest people on planet Earth in my eyes. And some people who who love some people who give of themselves. But there's more to be done. There's more people out there that's needing biblical leaders that'll lead them in the ways of, of Lord Jesus Christ. I think about people like Sister Janet. I, I want to tell this little bit of this story. Got a burden for our young people to have a youth choir. And here a little while back, I'm going to say it like this. Satan put it in her thoughts that what no me going on. And then God did something in her heart. And she called us. I believe he called us. And speaking to me and Deb, she said, I'm sorry that I even thought that. She said, there is a need. Those kids need somebody to work with them. Amen. Hey, I want to tell you this. There's more to this than you. There's more of a need than just your need. God's looking for somebody that'll slip up their hand and say, God, use me. Please use my life, Lord. Wouldn't it be, what would it be if every child of God got a burden like Nehemiah did for somebody else in trouble, somebody else's problems, somebody else's pains? And got along with God and said, God, use me to meet their needs. As we stand tonight, and Sister Megan, you come to the piano.